welcome to As Luck Would Have It. My name is Abby and I'm the admin and comms worker here at Leichhardt Uniting. We are a church based on Gadigal and Wongal land in Sydney, Australia. You'll find us at Leichhardt Uniting Church-LUC on Facebook. Sermons are on YouTube under the same name and you can find more information about our church and our team at leichhardtuniting.org.au. In this episode of As Luck Would Have It, Gabby Cadenhead is preaching a sermon from Genesis 1-1 to 2-4 on being created in the image of God. This week, we're celebrating Ace Week 2023 in solidarity with asexual people in our churches and communities. I will be providing the reading ahead of the sermon. This is the book of Genesis, chapter 1 and chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, from the New Revised Standard Version. In the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness God called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome. And it was so. God called the dome sky and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together God called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind, and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years And let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves of every kind with which the waters swarm and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. 
And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things, and wild animals of the earth of every kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind, and the cattle of every kind, and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make humankind in our likeness, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in God's image. In the image of God, God created them. Male and female, God created them. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day God finished the work that God had done. And God rested on the seventh day from all the work that God had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that God had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord made the heavens and the earth. Thus ends the reading. Please enjoy the following sermon. As you all know, I'm Gabby Cadenhead. I've been in this congregation a while and I'm now a mission worker for Christian Students Uniting, so working pretty closely with Adrian. And as Rad said, I'm a poet and composer. Let's begin our time of sermon in prayer together. Creator God, I come before this community as a person who has been and continues to be shaped by it, and I offer what I can in return. May this sermon bind us together and draw us closer to your word and to your kingdom. May we glimpse something of the beyond in our midst through our time together. And may we take that glimpse with us into the week ahead. May these words open our hearts to the divine always at work in us and in our world. Amen. My dog emerges from murky water. Fur slathered, belly dripping, tongue lolling, mouth split by a deeply satisfied grin. She smells awful. Carefully cultivated scent combining algae, mud, and another dog's poo. At her most unhygienic, my dog radiates deepest joy in her body, fully present and unselfconscious. She revels in her God-given limbs that carry her through lagoon water. 
delights in her jaws which snap excitedly at each wave, relishes in her lungs as she breathes in her surroundings, until the odour of the lagoon is part of her. Here she finds her Eden, where God declares that my dog is made in God's own image. Unashamed of her euphoria, coated in foul smells, she knows that she is good. My dog emerges from murky water, mouth split by a deeply satisfied grin, and she teaches me that my body does not stand aloof from creation, but breathes pungent air with God-given lungs. God stares up at me from her caramel eyes and teaches me that my body is good too. I wonder when we forgot this joy, when we stopped exploring the world around us with our senses, infant hands covered in dirt, grass stuffed between baby teeth, unashamedly embracing the chub we were born with. Was it when we went to school for the first time and discovered that girl bodies and boy bodies wore different kinds of clothes, no matter how impractical a dress is on a five-year-old? Was it when, as a preteen, we felt uncomfortable wearing the very short shorts marketed at girls and opted for cargo pants instead? Was it when we noticed how many compliments we received for wearing more femme skirts each Sunday? Was it when we feared bullying if we didn't remove the hair blooming along our teenaged legs? These are my own experiences, but I'm sure each of us have felt that our bodies could only be acceptable if they conformed to cultural narratives of what bodies should look like what shape and size they should be, how we should express our gender, whose fault our chronic illness is, what colour our skin should be. It is easy to lose ourselves in the midst of these competing and impossible expectations. Because of them, we have lost sight of the founding narrative of our faith. Let me remind you of that narrative which Greg read for us earlier. Before the act of creation, there was only God and chaos. That chaos took the form of roiling waters, watched over by God's shapeless spirit. By uttering words from divine vocal cords that vibrated through this unformed ocean, God created light. Together, God and the Spirit of God separated the darkness and the light and named them night and day, dawn and dusk. Then they organized the chaos into sea and sky, and with another divine utterance, the waters made way for land, where they spoke all manner of plant life into existence. Next, God and God's Spirit decorated the night sky with stars and moon, and set the sun to watch over the day. Into the sea and the sky, they spoke every creature that swims and flies, and onto the land, animals that crawl and climb and run. 
and God saw that it was good. After every divine pronouncement of life, God declares that what they have made is good. Without earning it, without passing a test, without having to change anything about themselves, without existing on this earth for even one figurative day, every created thing is proclaimed good in God's eyes. Such a simple sentence, but when it is repeated over and over, we are forced to think about it in new ways. What does it mean if both darkness and light are good? What does it mean if sea and sky, tamed chaos, are good? What does it mean if gardens and rainforests and tree-studded mountain ranges are good? What does it mean if every kind of living creature is good? Last month we heard a wonderful preaching series for the season of creation about the interconnectedness of humanity and nature in God's created web. So I won't go into detail about that today. I want to talk instead about the creation of human beings. So God created humankind in their image. In the image of God, they created them. Male and female, they created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And later on, God saw everything they had made, and indeed, it was very good. When was the last time you looked in a mirror? Did you notice a fresh crop of pimples, a nose you wish didn't stick out so far, the shadow of a double chin? Or did you see the image of God? God created us with her cleft palate, their irregular menstrual cycle, his top surgery scars. You, me, all of us, the whole of humankind are created in God's own image. But what does that even mean? It does not mean that one photo of one person at an unflattering angle is the static image of God. It means that all of us, as whole, embodied persons of every gender, actively image God as we live and breathe and sleep and eat and speak and listen and love. With the recognition of the divine within us comes the responsibility to live into that divinity and into the divinity of every person we will ever encounter and of those we will never meet. I'll say that again. You, as a whole embodied person, are created in the image of the triune God, and so is every other human being. Just as the three facets of the Trinity are both uniquely different and inherently in community, so we are made. God's first words to the newly created humankind are to be fruitful and multiply. The most common interpretation of this verse is as a commandment to reproduce, 
to continue the family lineage, to grow the nation of Israel. And while that is certainly the case in many parts of the Hebrew Bible, I think there's more to it than that. If we interpret this verse as only a directive to bear children, we exclude a whole swathe of people from, from God's first words to humankind. For many people in this congregation, being a parent is not a priority or not possible or not a fundamental part of who we are. I am interested in the theological questions that arise when we take these experiences into consideration. How can single people, for example, be fruitful and multiply if they are not pursuing solo parenthood? How can they express themselves as a whole embodied person without the need for a partner? How can people struggling with infertility be fruitful and multiply even if they want biological children but can't conceive? How can they recognize their wholeness in a body that won't give them what they seek? How can people who have lost children or who have lost pregnancies be fruitful and multiply in the wake of that grief? How can people with fewer economic means be fruitful and multiply when they may not be able to afford to raise children? How can lesbian, gay, bisexual and pansexual people be fruitful and multiply when not all of their relationships will enable a straightforward path to parenthood? How can intersex people, non-binary people and trans people be fruitful and multiply when their bodies may not be able to participate in childbearing or when doing so might lead to gender dysphoria? How can asexual and aromantic people be fruitful and multiply when they may not be interested in sexual or romantic relationships, which are assumed as the basis for parenthood? How can people who choose to be childless be fruitful and multiply when there are other things that are life-giving for them? How do we teach our children to be fruitful and multiply in their lives now without imposing an expectation that they will also be parents one day? There isn't time in this sermon to address each of these questions individually, but I would like to offer an alternative model for understanding the encouragement to be fruitful and multiply. This verse is not a commandment, but a blessing. It is not a requirement that we need to tick off so we can achieve goodness, because God has already declared us to be inherently good as a blessing, this verse invites us to explore creatively how to live into our createdness. Fruitfulness is a concept that appears several times in the Bible. The first psalm equates delighting in the law of the Lord with a tree that bears fruit. And in the letter to the Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Jesus discusses fruitfulness in the Gospel of John, describing himself as the true vine and his disciples as branches 
who can only bear fruit when they abide in him, just as he abides in them. Perhaps we can think of fruitfulness in this Genesis story as embracing our own createdness in our own lives. It can be confronting to allow yourself to believe that you are created in the image of God. And I personally struggle with this, but I think we are better equipped to bear the fruit of the Spirit when we recognize our own inherent goodness. Many of us carry guilt and shame into conversations about faith and about bodies, but if we dare to peel back those layers, we will uncover abundant fruit. Every time someone chooses themselves over cultural narratives that tell us one kind of body or one kind of relationship is better than others, they begin to live into their createdness. Every time someone declares publicly or to themselves that they belong to the LGBTQIA community, they are allowing themselves to bear the fruit of their createdness. Every time a woman chooses not to value herself based only on her appearance and instead celebrates her other, her other gifts, she unlocks her own fruitfulness. Every time a man questions the toxicity that often comes part and parcel with masculinity in our society, he embraces himself as a whole created person. Every time a First Nations person is reconnected with their culture that colonization tried to pry them from, their lives are enriched with fruitfulness. This fruitfulness has ramifications for how we relate to other people. If I can recognize that I am created in the image of God, I must also recognize how you image God. It becomes harder and harder to dehumanize people if we listen to God's declaration that all of humankind, all of creation, is inherently good. This leads us to actively affirm other people's createdness and to advocate for their fruitfulness. And so we multiply. When we make buildings accessible to people with physical disabilities, we recognize their inherent humanity and goodness. When we educate ourselves by learning Auslan or ask people on the autism spectrum how best to accommodate them, we affirm that deaf and autistic people are created in God's image and worthy of taking up space. When we respect someone's pronouns, we acknowledge their createdness. When we protest bills that deny the existence of trans kids, we demand their right to fruitfulness. When we take heterosexual relationships and sexual and romantic relationships in general down from their pedestal, we affirm the createdness of those who don't fit within this framework. When we take the time to learn how to pronounce someone's name instead of imposing a westernized nickname, we acknowledge that their relationship to their culture is part of their createdness. When we call on the government to welcome refugees and people seeking asylum to the Australian mainland, we advocate for their freedom to live fruitfully 
When we are critical of the ways police officers treat people of different races, we prioritise humanity's inherent goodness over the systems we've created. And this isn't just about people. In the same sentence as the blessing to be fruitful and multiply, God charges us with the responsibility to care for non-human nature. This commitment to the stewardship of creation is what compels us onto the streets, drums strapped to our backs, to demand action in the face of this climate crisis. Because God proclaims that all of creation is inextricably connected and inherently good. At her most unhygienic, my dog radiates deepest joy in her body, fully present and unself-conscious. May we learn to revel in our own God-given limbs and breathe in our surroundings as we too embrace our own createdness. May we learn to multiply that fruitfulness in our community and in the world. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of As Luck Would Have It, proudly presented by Leichhardt Uniting Church. If you have not yet done so, please subscribe and feel free to leave a rating or review. And you can also visit our website and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. Have a great day.